welcome everyone. It's the Texas Values Radio Show on this cold January morning Thursday. I hope you're you're getting some hot coffee for your sleepy eyelids, and you know, in a way, that's sort of what we are too. We're hot coffee for the soul, waking you up, getting you engaged, getting you going on the issues that matter. We're happy you joined us today. I'm Jonathan Covey. I'm the policy director for Texas Values, filling in for Jonathan Signs this week on the Texas Values Report. We have a great show lined up for you today with a very special guest. But before I get to her, just as a reminder, you can catch us every day of the week, uh, every week on this station, KTXW 1120 The Bridge, or you can watch us on demand on Facebook, on Spotify, on YouTube, all of your favorite streaming platforms as well. Also, if you want to find out more about anything that we've talked about today, you can find tons of great information on our website at txvalues.org. And you can stay up on breaking news and information by texting TXVALUES to 797979. All right, that's my spill. Our guest today is Cassidy Comer, uh, NCAA college athlete and advocate for fairness in women's sports. Cassidy, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be on here today. Well, Cassidy, it's it's such a pleasure uh, working with you over the years. You know, we've worked for uh, for a while on some of these issues, and I and I want listeners mm -hmm. to sort of have a chance. Uh, to know you better in the way that our team has gotten to know you as well. So give us a little bit of background on yourself and what you stand for uh, when you stand up for uh, fairness in women's athletics. Sure. Um, so I started playing basketball in sixth grade. I fell in love with the sport. I had seen my older brother, brother playing it growing up and just kind of came naturally. And, you know, I, I started playing the sport in school and then went on to play AAU basketball or club basketball throughout junior high and high school and just fell in love with the sport. You know, it was so much fun for me to have that experience and grow not only uh, physically, obviously I'm very tall, but um, just kind of experience that work ethic and yeah you know, the socializing and stuff like that, that you can't really experience in other ways that you get to see in sports. And so when I was recruited to play in college, for, in college it was a super exciting experience. Um, I had overcome a major knee injury that resulted in a very long knee surgery, but getting to be recruited was a very exciting time in my life. And um, I was on the team at Midwestern State for two years before I medically retired due to more more surgeries and more injuries, but um, it has left an impact on my life that will last a lifetime, I think, to be able to have that experience. Um, I think that women's sports is such an amazing opportunity for girls and women to experience. You don't get another opportunity like it it's one of a kind, whatever sport you choose to play, it leaves a mark on your heart, whether you are done after high school or you play in college or you even go on to play professionally, it is unreplaceable. It is something that, that it will leave a mark on your heart for life. And it just breaks my heart to see these women that are getting hurt, that are losing their spots on teams and losing their scholarship opportunities 
because a man has chosen to come in and take it from them. Yeah. It, it, I mean, well, you know, I could say I, some things, but yeah. well, we, <laughs> we, know, we simply, hear it just we hear this a lot. I mean, this is this is uh, just sort of a a testimony to women's sports and all, and the difference that it's made made an incredible impact in so many in the lives of so many young women. Um, mm-hmm. let, let's start with the basics here, just so from a purely physiological standpoint. Um, why, why is it unfair? Talk about to our supporters, why it's unfair to have males competing in women's sports and and what differences would you be able to point out for us? For sure. Um, so to start height is a big deal in basketball. It's a very big deal. And I am about six foot five with shoes on, which is pretty darn tall for a girl. But when you step into the men's league, that's, that's nothing. I mean, in my experience of playing against men in practices and scrimmages, I was getting dominated and I had never experienced that before in my life, at least in the high school level. I mean, it's a little bit more common in college, but I mean, there's just no comparison strength wise. I mean, those flash twitch muscles are a huge deal and no one wants to talk about the muscle mass, the bone density the lung capacity, all of these things that combine and they make the gap between men and women impossible to bridge. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, so so obviously you and I have talked a lot and um, our team have talked a lot about fairness in women's sports um, in general. And you were here in Texas working um, with us when Texas Values helped spearhead uh, SB 15. That was the uh, Save Women in College uh, Sports Act. Um, But we do like to talk about current day issues. And the reality is that while we're protected here in Texas, this is still a hot button issue and very much a current reality for women nationwide. And I'm getting a little bit of echo in my ear here. But I just want to sort of get your take. So, you know, USA Boxing recently, the governing body for boxing in the United States, uh, just recently announced a a new policy starting in 2024, where they were, they're, they're going to allow males who have undergone certain levels of hormone therapy to actually fight in the ring with females. And I, th- this seems like madness. Uh, your thoughts mm-hmm. on this? You know, I was doing some research on it and comparing and seeing what the strength level is and, you know, the pound per pound and it's just astronomical difference when you compare the male to the female. And yes, they're requiring the gender reassignment surgery. Yes, they're requiring blood tests to make sure your testosterone level is below a certain level, but it cannot change the fact that if you have undergone a male puberty, you have what I previously talked about, the bone density, the muscle mass, the lung capacity, all of these things. And when you're talking about a sport that is as physical and as dangerous as it already is, like boxing, like fighting, like MMA, any of these Somebody is going to get majorly hurt. Somebody could even get killed if we're letting men step into the ring with women. I mean, it's no longer just about possibly tearing something, possibly breaking a bone. 
this is somebody's life that could be at risk because right, because the the point in boxing is is to to actually hurt the other person right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that's it's a physical I mean, domination mm -hmm. and when the only reason they can give is fairness and inclusion that doesn't seem like a good enough reason to put someone's life at risk to me yeah so. yeah and you know and the new policy actually says uh that those under 18 are still required to compete as their birth gender, at least from what I, from, from what I understood, but adults can mm -hmm. choose. Uh, does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? It seems like the physiological differences are greater when you're adult rather than when you're, when you're younger. For sure. I mean, you see it all the time. You see co-ed soccer leagues, basketball leagues, all that when they're young, but when you start going through puberty, entering adolescence, and entering adulthood, that's when you see the greater differences emerge. I mean, the strength level, the speed, all of these things grow exponentially as men go through puberty and enter adulthood. So the risk just gets even higher and higher and more women are at risk for injury, for severe injury in the case of boxing. So I just can't even fathom and it makes me glad to see that some of these women boxers are speaking up i was reading an article by the new york post that had that it mentioned several female boxers that are saying this isn't right and i'm so glad to hear that because so many women have been standing aside and letting this happen to them so we need more women speaking out yeah, I think I think I read the same article as you did. I saw some of the uh, some of the premier uh, box female boxing champions were speaking out, saying this is not right, and uh, that's certainly an encouragement, especially in this day and age where you know it, it's hard to know sometimes what side uh, women are going to be on. Um, I wanted to ask you this: um, you know, aside from this apparently one very suspicious exception, isn't there? Isn't this a sport? Isn't boxing a sport where where hormone therapy is, is banned completely. Mm -hmm. I, it's so astonishing to me, the double standard that's being placed, you know, they can say, Oh, you can't do steroids. You can't take testosterone if you're a woman because it disqualifies you from your sport. And now they're allowing this blatant break in their rule to, to allow someone who is an already inherently stronger to go up against a weaker opponent and the madness will never ends it it seems with this concept and you know how many of these organizations are we going to allow to trample over women's spaces and privacy and safety before somebody gets hurt before somebody gets killed in the case of boxing Look, I know, I know they've taken some heat. Um, you know, the the USA Boxing's taking some heat for this decision. But uh, you know, speaking of taking heat, let's talk about um, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. You know, he he vetoed um, House Bill sixty eight, which was a piece of legislation passed by the Ohio legislature to, among other things, to ban males from competing in girls' sports um, in Ohio. What a coward! this guy is, you know, R Riley Gaines wasted no time in, uh, in jumping on him. Donald Trump, I think even blasted him 
for failing to protect women. Um, you know, so now Cassidy, we're giving you a chance to say your piece um, on on this as well. Yes, thank you, Jonathan. I I can't even fathom the mindset that somebody has to have to be given a piece of paper that if you sign it, it will protect thousands of millions of girls and women in the sports that they love and then to throw it away as quickly as that. I mean, it just blows my mind. Uh, And I'm so glad to hear that the House is trying to override the veto. And I think it passed 65 to 28. I'm not sure if that was today or yesterday, but I mean, I really hope that there is some major heat going his direction because that just is insane. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think you're right. As of as of maybe yesterday or the day before, the Ohio House of Representatives had had voted to to override the governor's veto, and you know they're waiting on the the Ohio Senate now to to mm-hmm. say what they're going to do. Uh, but it's just so interesting that governor that Governor Dewine would actually take this approach, and and then he tried to pass an executive order, um, you know, ra- after the veto, sort of trying to offset some of the effects of what he did. And it, it just seems like he, he he can't get his head on straight about this issue at all. Mm-hmm. And with that executive order, it seems like he's just covering his tail, trying right. to limit some of this pushback. But I think he knows he's in for a lot of, a lot of opposition heading his direction with that decision that he made. So <laughs> I think, I think you're right. Yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the the NCAA because um, you know uh, it seems like sports governing bodies, uh, you know, they, it seems like they just don't get it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, tomorrow tomorrow is the anniversary. You may remember this. Tomorrow is the anniversary of the NCAA protest in San Antonio that you took part in. Riley Gaines, uh, Mary Elizabeth from our staff, and others attended to say, "Hey, stop discriminating." Uh, against us. Um, Tell us a little bit about your experience uh, doing that. I mean, it was awesome getting to see all these strong women standing together. And across the political spectrum, this is not a conservative or a Democrat issue. This is a women's issue. And it breaks my heart to see how many women on both sides are standing aside and letting this happen to them. But um, as far as the as far as the protest last year, it was a wonderful experience to hear all these women's stories. You know, so many heartbreaking stories, though, of women who were, you know, seriously hurt, women who lost their places, who were forced to change in closets or go to a different bathroom because there was a man in their locker room and so they didn't feel comfortable, yeah. you know, and I know that today I think that they're meeting in Phoenix and I wish I could be there with some of my good friends that I've made in this fight, but I just hope that in the NCAA will start listening to these pleas from their athletes, their former athletes that have had to endure such an awful traumatic experience. Well, and that I was mean, my next question too, because you're right. I believe there's protests going on now in Phoenix, uh, Macy Petty, Paula Scanlon, Riley Gaines, some of those folks will be there. Um, and, and we thank you for being here with us. 
but um, what 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 type of impact do you feel like are, these protests are having right now on on Charlie Baker and the NCAA? Well, I my hope is that if not everyone, then maybe there will be a domino effect. I think that if one member of the governing body will start to listen and start to understand the impact that their lack of concern is causing and what the NCAA will look like in 10 and 15 years if they don't stop it now, I think that they there's hope. I, I don't think hope is lost. I think that's the biggest mistake you can believe is that hope is lost in this situation because we are not fighting this fight by ourselves. There are so many other men and women out there who are standing up. But I think the goal of this protest and the one last year is just to open the eyes of some of these people. You know, some of the people who saw it on the news and were saying, wow, this is happening. I need to do something about this. You know, hadn't heard of it until then. And some of the members of the NCAA that try to diminish its impact and maybe by protesting, by saying our stories, these people will start to listen and start to act. That's really my hope. And I think the hope of every single woman who's there today. So. Absolutely. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking with Cassidy Comer, college athlete, advocate for fairness in women's sports. And if you find value in the work that we're doing, you can make a donation by going to our website at txvalues.org. Um, Cassidy, I want to thank you for joining us. I got a, a one last question for you. So obviously, you know this is a this is a major issue nationwide. Uh, what you know to t- talk with our supporters about what can athletes and those who are supporting athletes, uh, parents, so forth, do to help on this issue as we continue to grow this movement. For sure. I mean, the first thing for all of our Christian supporters out there, we need to pray. I mean, our nation really needs this binding cover of prayer for uh, not just over this issue, but for a lot of these issues that are going on that are spiritual battles as much as anything. Um, The second thing, reach out to your representatives, reach out to your senators. Now is not the time to stand back. I think I said it earlier. I mean, how many of these women athletes that are seeing this feel afraid because they think they're alone. You are not alone in this battle. And we need you to use your voice, use your God-given abilities and speak. Tell us your experiences. Tell your politicians your experiences. You know, the the worst thing that you can do is hide in the shadows because you think your voice is insignificant. I think that's great. I mean, you you are not alone. That's a message that everyone needs to hear. You know, certainly in this in this time of you know possibilities of being canceled and so many other things, uh, athletes need to know that they can speak out. They can speak the truth, and, and that's what you're doing for us. So, Cassidy, thank you um, for joining us. As always, it's always good to have you, and we look forward to having you back on the show again real soon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jonathan. You know, it's it's great in so many ways um, to be headed into a new year. And, you know, if you're if you're trying to 
get more exercise, whatever goals you set, climb, climb a mountain, start a business, uh, whatever your goal is, the new year sort of gives you a clean slate to say, okay, this will be the year that I'll get this done. For the for the women's sports issue, it sort of marks a a new era in in this movement where we transition from getting laws passed to actually to protecting those laws and making sure they're defended and seeing what kind of constitutional metal that they're made of. Will they be upheld? Will they not be upheld? So as we head into 2024, I think we sort of uh, also head into this conflict uh, that's likely to end at some point with uh, with litigation at the U.S. Supreme Court. There are certainly uh, there are currently several lawsuits pending uh, with the issues of male uh, participation in women's sports. Uh, both sides they lay claim to the idea of of Title IX supporting their arguments. And for those who are just sort of getting warmed up on this on this discussion, Title IX is the federal civil rights law that bans sex-based discrimination in any publicly funded school uh, or education program. So there's a there's a case going on right now in uh, West Virginia, a boy named Becky Pepper Jackson. He's, he's suing West Virginia Save Girls Sports Law because he wants to try out for uh, the middle school girls cross-country team. So that's one case. There's also um, a Connecticut case that was uh, recently revived uh, by an appellate court just recently by four female runners. Um, this is headed up by our good friends over at ADF. And these girls were actually deprived of scholarships and opportunities because males uh, competed in their sports. So you have all of these lawsuits and they're pending and they're filtering up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Meanwhile, you have the Biden administration, um, you know, Biden administration ever hostile to girls and women. They're preparing to finalize a rule in March uh, that would expand the definition of sex discrimination to include gender identity. Uh, this would be a disaster for women's um, for fairness in women's sports uh, for biological women. And I, I don't think it's a, co a coincidence that they're planning to unveil this rule in March, which is Women's History Month. Um, as well. And, uh, you know, Biden and the people that work for him, uh, they, they would love nothing more than to redefine what a woman is. They'd love to po politicize it um, and use it for a, an electoral advantage, which is which is really what they're doing. But you know what? There's, there is an inherent tenacity about biology and about really just talking about facts that refuses to conform to politicizing it. Uh, the facts are hard to argue with. That's the truth. And there were some very smart people out there that did an analysis on on different sports, on running, on jumping and swimming. And you know what? You know what they found? They found that the rise in testosterone and puberty in males coincided with a steep improvement in performance. the The, the puberty. Uh, occurs uh, in girls on average, girls reacted where they continually and steadily improved their sporting performance into their teens. But but for boys, there was a rapid upward shift in that trajectory. So when you look at elite athletes, elite runners, whether they're sprinting uh, 100 meters or they're racing many, many miles, uh, once athletes hit this physical maturity, the best men have anywhere from a 9 to 12% advantage over the best women. This is a significant gap 
and it can be seen in in not only in in uh, running but cycling, swimming, skating, high jumping, a variety of other athletic feats as well. And the gap is even larger in sports that dis- that depend on strength. For example, in boxing, just to sort of bring it full circle. So you're looking at elite weightlifters, elite boxers who have an even bigger advantage, 20 to 30% advantage. So this is a real issue, and we continue to fight for this issue. Um, And we're so glad that we got to talk with Cassidy as well. But we are coming to the end of our show. We do want to remind everyone of the Texas Rally for Life on January 27th. So come on out to Austin and show your support for life. Uh, celebrate the the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, here at Texas Values, we're going to be having an open house at our office the same day to invite supporters uh, from around the state to come to our office. Details to follow on that, but keep an eye on our social media channels for more information. And if you're in the area, come on down and see us and share with us what's going on in your neck of the woods, what's going on with faith, family, and freedom. We want to uh, thank all of our faithful listeners and supporters, and say that if you find value in the work that we're doing, can you go to txvalues.org and make a donation? Help us continue doing that work. Help us continue employing high-quality folks to do high-quality work on your behalf. That would really help us. As we've said so many times on this podcast, government belongs to those who show up. And here at Texas Values, we are dedicated to being your boots on the ground and your voice in the government for social conservative issues. So thank you for listening. I'm Jonathan Covey, your host. Tune in again next week right here on the Texas Values Report.